Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Evil Pudding Podcast. My name is Courtney. Hey, it's me, Patrick. I'm here, too. <laughs> How's everybody doing today? I'm excited. I'm excited, too. This is going to be a good one. You have been so stressed out and messed up over this case that I'm excited. And it's not one I know. The pudding is evil today. That's what we're here for. The pudding we're here is, for the evil pudding. So the tea is hot and the pudding is evil. Yeah, and then, uh, so we again had to do a little few technical move-arounds. We're trying something else because we're trying to make it sound better for everybody. So just let us know. Give us a give us a message. Give us a shout-out if it's sounding better. Uh, if it sounds worse. Yeah, definitely. Blame Courtney. Um, it's her fault if it sounds worse. It's my yeah. fault if it sounds better. I just follow um, your technical <laughs> lead here. I'm my, just the research. My air quote expertise. Yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> it right here. I'm really proud of you when I, I, I played it back, especially the the most recent episode the sound is just improving i think every time a little bit every time i think every time every time i'm googling and learning how to use the editing software and kind of yeah flatten out some of the background noises right those kind of things we kind of change spaces around we're actually in a different room this one's much more enclosed so we should have less background noise and that's gonna help yeah and eventually maybe we'll get some what is it called the foam stuff that goes on the walls and that could help with the aquarium sound if that's the case the foam stuff that goes on the walls. That's the technical term for it? Yeah, that's oh. what it's called. TM. <laughs> that works. <laughs> anyway, what level of evil are we getting into today? Ooh, the worst of the worst. So I came across this serial killer by complete accident. And I think he may be one of the most depraved individuals that I've ever studied. In fact, this whole episode is just going to go ahead and be one big trigger warning I wish, like, we could rate it and... <laughs> what do you rate it after, after all of our other ones? Like, I know. NC-44? This one, this one, you'll see what I mean. You'll see what I mean. Only for the sick and twisted, which... We're already explicit. I noticed that. We're listed as explicit. I list, I, I, when I post us, it has an option to do clean um, or explicit, and we're obviously not this, clean. Yeah, the other ones are pretty clean compared to this one. Between so. my bad language and the stories you tell. <laughs> Your language isn't too bad. I'm being good. I'm trying to be good. You're being very good. So um, we will be dealing with the life and crimes of Anthony Richard Trenton Chase. Just Richard Trenton Chase is how he's known. Always the multiple names. That's how you know you got got yourself a good serial killer. He's got four first names. And he is the vampire of Sacramento. No, it's not the guy you were talking about yesterday. No, the other one. You shocked me. When you said, oh, I heard a podcast about the vampire guy. I'm like, how did, what? If this is what? legitimately a third one that I don't know about, that's crazy. This is the one that you do not know about. Because I was talking to you yesterday about the vampire murders in Florida from uh-huh. the kid from Tennessee. Yep, no, and that's... I also know about the vampire killings of the guy with a whole bunch of kids out in California. This is in California, but it's not a whole bunch of kids. And this was back in the 70s. I'm te- I wonder if it's the same one I'm thinking of. Well, let's see. Because I, I think this, I think you know this one. It's one of those cases, like, it's like, oh, you know what I mean? So, in fact, this guy is so deranged and u- unique that the FBI uses him in training their criminal profilers. Okay. Yeah, so you know you're dealing with some um, mind hunter kind of crap here. Yeah. <laughs> Extremely jacked up individual. I'm going to be describing some of the most vile crime scenes I have absolutely ever come across in great detail. Not to disrespect the innocent victims of his crime. I just want to make that clear. No, we mean, you throw that disclaimer out right. all the time. It's not, it's not to, you know, shame them or 
disrespect them. It's just to, to bring the true right and gut wrenching details of the crimes, which is what we try to do. Exactly. Is bring the, the, the true. Well, and this has facts. a purpose behind it too. I wanted to paint a picture of the tortured mind of what I believe to be one of the most sadistic and deranged serial killers ever to live. So please, if this kind of stuff bothers you guys, feel free to skip this episode and we'll meet you here next week. It's absolutely fine. But we're going to be going into absolutely every kind of violence and abuse that you can imagine, plus animal abuse to top it all off. So (laughs) we can meet you back here next week if it's too much for you. I want to say, like, why is there animal abuse? But then again, every serial killer seems to have a lot of them do and if yeah maybe we just don't know even that nut job i listened to yesterday on lights out the one i was the vampire killer yeah that's right the vampire clan cult killings or whatever they were uh even i had nightmares about this one when researching this case and i'm pretty callous to this sort of thing by now i would feel like but on the other hand i think it's important to paint the full picture to highlight the importance of getting help for mental health issues as well with when left unattended a troubled mind can do more damage than we think is possible. So again, we're going to see another theme that we've seen through throughout, right? Very disturbed individuals, mental health issues, systems failing them, not getting the help they need. Right. And it just escalates, you know, that, like that story that we keep talking about that I listened to yesterday and the ones we've talked about before, these guys have in and out of mental institutes and gals too with with Dorothea. Yes. In and out of these mental institutes and they just don't actually get the help they need. Maybe it's because of the time they lived. Right. You know, mental health probably was not in the top of mind awareness. In, in the this 60s, case, 70s, it's 80s. going to be the time that they lived in for sure. It yeah. was well, that's, that was door three of the, the same time. Mm-hmm. So, you ready to dive into it? I've been ready to dive into okay, it. Okay, let's do it. Anthony Richard Trenton Chase. Can we was, call him like something for short? We do. I have I have it all set up. Don't okay. you worry. Because that's going to be. I got you covered. I've, <laughs> I've tried to think of everything. <laughs> He was born on May 22nd, 1950, in Santa Clara, California. Another California case. Sorry, California. No California, but Much dude, we all got some crazy you. people out there. No, we do. Chill out. Uh, he was born in Santa Clara, California, to Mother Beatrice and Father Anthony Richard Sr. So I'm going to be referring to the dad as Richard Sr. And the son, who this is about, is Rick. Rick? Yep, that's what he went by. Rick or Richie. I'm good with Rick or Richie. Richie is way too cutesy for him, so I'm going to say Rick. Yeah, I agree with that. I like that better. Beatrice was a deeply, his mom was deeply troubled and paranoid woman who never received any help for her delusions. And back in those days, mental illness just wasn't spoken. We're talking about in the 50s and before. Mental illness just wasn't spoken about. And treatment was even taboo. So His mom's already. Yeah. So, so issues, he's just, so yeah, hereditary issues. Probably. Oh, for sure. Okay. So, yeah, you're going to see the extent of his mother, especially. Okay. So issues would just ultimately be ignored and swept under the rug for her. To give you an example of Beatrice's mental state early on, during the birth of her son, Rick, she reached down to pull out the baby as he was exiting her body. And she began to viciously claw at the baby's head as he emerged from her convinced that he was going to kill her. Nurses in the delivery room had to actually hold her down as she tried to hurt Rick, and she hurled obscenities at her husband for, quote, unquote, poisoning her with his sexual appetite, thus impregnating her and risking her life. So we've made it eight minutes into this episode, and it's already fucked up. Right, seconds into the story. Good Lord, man. 
And by the way, she, you know, and I, I was like, well, you know, maybe she was sickly during her pregnancy. By all accounts, she was a very healthy woman, physical. She was in good physical health and she had a healthy, normal pregnancy. So she's hurting. We can see that. Unfortunately, she uh, would share in her paranoia and her many delusions with her son. I think that little Rick took on a lot of her traits very early on. So Richard Sr., what's his solution to all this, right? Drink? Run away? What? His answer to all of this nonsense, as he called it, was just to senselessly beat Rick and his mother. Beat the crazy out of them, if you will. Oh. As opposed to getting his wife and son help, right? Rick was growing to be a disappointment to both of his parents from the very beginning. How are you a disappointment in that? Like, what is the standard as a disappointment? Right. To them, I think anything would disappoint. Just existing would disappoint them. He was never good enough, and he was never shown love, ever. Really? He clung, and it sadly, this, this broke my heart, he clung to his mother out of a pure need for connection. But... Rick would just become a receptacle for all of her issues. She poured her paranoia and hatred into him. She even convinced this child, and we're talking about little, she convinced little Rick that she and he were both being poisoned by numerous people, to include Richard Sr., his father, and that they had they both had health issues that they, in fact, did not have. I wish I could give you some context as to why she believed all this, but she was just a deeply, deeply troubled woman. It had become apparent after a time that Rick was developmentally stunted, and that would just increase his father's rage even more. And that made him receive even more beatings until he could receive a beating, quote, like a man. Mm. So in other words, just to kind of define that for you, Rick was trained not to react to pain. Yeah. He was taught not to cry, show right. expression. Do not show emotion. Do man not show. Man doesn't show emotion. Man doesn't show pain. So in all of this chaos, how do we make this better? Let's have another baby. <laughs> <laughs> in all of this chaos. Oh, mind you, they're in a one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> yeah. This is all going on in a one-bedroom apartment. So, to top it all off, in 1954, Beatrice gave birth to a second child, a daughter named Pamela. It was said that it was surprising to everybody that Beatrice and Richard Sr. liked each other for long enough to make another baby, which I can see that. That's how volatile their relationship was. And to add to all of this, like I said, they lived in a tiny one-bedroom apartment. Things would get better, though. They moved from... That apartment, shortly after Pamela arrived, and and they moved into an actual house in Sacramento. So this was a fresh start for everyone. Don't get your hopes up too high, because we're here, so you know it's not going to be good. Oh, my hopes weren't (laughs) up very high at all. Just throwing that out there. There was no high hopes on my side. So with his parents' attention turned towards the new baby and a new house, and Richard Sr. has a new, better job, Rick was free to roam alone. Uh, he had never experienced being alone in nature before. They kind of, Their house backed up to some woods. I see where this is going. He was in absolute heaven. So I'm going to try to give y'all little alerts here and there just when, you yeah, know. I can see where this is going. Okay. I know and where this is going. This is trigger warning number one if you want to count them. I wouldn't count them on this one. Uh, no. The whole thing at a certain point. Is I think just, I'm already at trigger warning number four. That we should. Yeah, have it's before. just a whole big trigger warning. So shortly after the new family arrived in the neighborhood, 
it was noticed by everyone that cats and dogs started to disappear. Pets. Mm-hmm. Rick's mother knew he was the one responsible, though. You know how? Was he bringing him home? <laughs> sort of. One day, Beatrice caught him carrying around a dead cat in their backyard. Now, he's like five at this time. That's just, terrifying. Just to clear things up. It's she, absolutely freaking terrifying that a five-year-old just walk around with dead animals. Even worse, she hurriedly got the cat from him and buried the corpse of the cat to avoid Rick being found out. And she didn't want to embarrass the family by her son's erratic, dark behavior being brought to light. So it never happened. It's the 70s. It, you know, it's still that nuclear family-ish time frame. There's still a lot of... Uh... But, you know, if, if, if one of my kids walked in with a dead animal playing with it, I don't care... What dick? What dick it is? We're gonna have some issues. I'm not saying we're gonna have issues. I'm saying I understand her wanting to not let. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you. The rest of the city or town find out because they're already up. Oh, it's embarrassing. Yeah. But and again, mental health wasn't like a thing. Like, hey, I need to take this kid to the shrink. And remember, she was not in her best state. She's clearly not been in her best state of mind ever. No. So, out in the woods. Rick learned how to hunt. He kind of taught himself, but not the kind of hunting you think. No, he's hunting cats and dogs in yards. He would catch rabbits with his bare hands, and he even learned to grab, he learned to grab birds midair. That's pretty impressive. I was about to say, like, catching That's a rabbit with your bare hands at five or six years old is damn impressive. Because I can't do it as a grown up. birds midair flying? That's insane. And he was cruel, too. He would knock them out of their nest, the babies, and then the mother wouldn't want them. Kind of like... Him, he felt like, I'm sure. It's almost like, yeah, it's about to say, that's like a damn metaphor. Absolutely. Right he didn't deliberately kill any animals he caught at that time. But they always died as a result of the torture he inflicted. Which is something that he got a absolutely thrilling sensation from. Yeah, you know, that's a theme, right? Mm-hmm. Most of these guys and gals get more of the sensation off, like, inflicting pain rather than the actual killing. The only ones that I've seen that... We really dove into that getting an actual thrill from the kill is with the sexual act of the killing. Yes, yes, absolutely. Other ones that are just dark and evil, it's more of just like inflicting pain and torture. I'll be interested to see what category you put him under by the end of this episode. Not yet, but because he's not at his full. He he's like blossoms. eight years old, and I'm already putting him at like what the hell category. So, yeah, what you to build off what you just said, he was exploring and controlling these animals. And control was something he just didn't have in any other aspect of his life. He's never had it. Not in the way that his dad was. or. And he mom. only knows. He could never have control. So it makes sense that he's trying right. to exert control. On the only touch he knows is beatings. You pain. Know, the all, pain. That's all he knows. So He's probably looking at these birds and animals like, don't show it. They're an extension of him. Well, don't show the pain. And yep. they're showing pain, so he's going to continue. Just like his dad did. He also began to take an interest in fire. Oh, Lord. Later on, he would reveal that when he would light small fires, he would stare into the flames and get lost in them. It would excite him. I I don't find that too weird. Mm-mm. I think a lot of young, you love bonfires. I love bonfires. Well, I think a lot of young boys too are like oh, yeah. enthralled with fire. Well, not to this this extent. I mean, I used to you know camping and all that kind of stuff, and I would stare into the flames and get lost in them because they're mesmerizing. Well, let's see if you ever did this. No, I didn't do anything else <laughs> that this kid did. All I, know, I did I'm just was kidding. stare into a fire. I hope you didn't do this. God bless you, coconut. Sorry, my dog sneezed back there. Dang polar bear sneeze. <laughs> One day, you know, Rick loved his solitude. He loved the quiet. He loved to be in nature. He was in his backyard alone, and his neighbor was playing 
loud music working on a car in his shop. And he just had the radio turned up loudly, loudly so he could hear over the tools, you know? That's what you do when you're working That's what on you some do. shop. You and this music. was in the middle of the day. It's not like it was nighttime. The neighbor wasn't doing anything wrong. But this enraged 10-year-old Richard. I mean, Rick, excuse me. He wanted to rip apart his animals in peace, apparently. So <laughs> he didn't like the noise. You know why? Why? It makes sense. Patrick's theory. Okay. Patrick's hot take. Mm-hmm. His dad would beat him until he acted like a man, right? So no, right. no showing pain, no wincing, no crying, no things. He's doing the same thing to these animals. So with that music, he can't hear if they're making sounds. Probably true. He can't hear them screaming in pain because then he's like, oh, you need to stop, little squirrel that I'm stabbing with a pencil or whatever the hell he's doing. Maybe so, because later on he talks about the rabbits, um, whales, whelps. That's stuff. what I'm saying. He's, he's used to being on the receiving end of that. Now he's able to dish it out. Possibly so. Who knows? So... Rick found some, he wanted to fix this, right? He found some paint stripper laying around, and then he retrieved a match from his beloved match collection that he had, and he lit fire to the neighbor's workshop and went in his backyard and sat back and watched it burn. The neighbor realized... <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh, because all I can no, picture is okay. that meme all over social media. Of the, the little girl the in little the house girl burning. smiling with the house burning behind her. He's just sitting there like... <laughs> That's so true. Or the meme with the house burning and the little girls on the swing set. That's me dealing with it. Just dealing with life. <laughs> dealing with life. And that is me dealing with life. But fortunately, the neighbor realized that the shop was on fire and immediately was able to put it out before it had the chance to grow and do too much damage. It did some damage, but not, not much. It did total place. Right. So it was obviously set by Rick who was sitting there probably enjoying the chaos he created. Just staring at it. What's up, people? <laughs> so the neighbor dragged Rick by the ear to Rick's front door, and they were met there by Richard Sr. Oh, shit. Well, see, Rick had expected his dad to defend him. No, his dad's going to beat the dog snot out of him. Yeah, but instead, Richard Sr. backhanded the 10-year-old to the ground, and every time Rick would pick himself up, he would receive another slap. Like, stay down, boy. He was just beaten to a pulp that day. In Rick's opinion, he was betrayed by his dad, and that caused him to go even more inward. I don't know why he thought what made him think that his dad then, of all times, was going to defend him. Because maybe he thought his dad would protect him because that's what his dad's supposed to do. I don't know. Well, I think it's because he was being manhandled by this stranger and that his father would see that, hey, you know, I manhandle my son, not you. But oh, if the next door neighbor lit the house on fire, you're lucky if all the I know. Him by the ear. That's not how his mind worked, though, you know? So five years later, uh, Richard Sr. would lose his job. And the family was forced to move and rent a small one-bedroom apartment. So it's a family of four. And Rick had lost the solitude of the woods that uh, he loved and the animals that he enjoyed. And he was left with zero privacy. And he's also left with zero outlet for that. And he's also 15 at this time. But he's, he's, he's had that, he's used those woods and those animals as like an outlet. Right. As like a fucked up therapy. So Beatrice and Richard Sr.'s marriage was crumbling. I mean, as we know, but it was even worse in that crowded apartment. So it wasn't long before Beatrice took her two children, Pamela and Rick, and like I said, Rick was 15 at the time. And they went to live with uh, Beatrice, Beatrice's mom, so Rick's grandma. Okay. 
It was during this time away from the solitude of nature and without the release of slaughtering animals that Rick became convinced that he was being poisoned. He, he believed his mother had been right and that his father was, in fact, trying to kill him. He also began to imagine health issues that were not there. It would go so far as to him not eating or bathing for days, weeks, actually, in fear that food and water were being used to poison him. So his mental health was obviously majorly. Bad. Yeah, he had no release. Well, he doesn't even need a release. He's, he's paranoid, schizophrenic. You'll, you'll see it. Yeah, that actually does turn out to be his diagnosis. And, and I touch on that here shortly. So eventually Beatrice and Richard Sr. decided, for whatever reason, to give their marriage another shot. What the? I know. Um, Bro, if it's, if it's broke... Don't try to fix it. That's why it's called a breakup. Well, it, it even said that Rick and Pamela begged them not to get back together. That's how bad it was. The kids were like, please the don't do this The kids were like, shit. please don't do this. So Damn. Rick and his Can you sister. Imagine the kids doing that? I know. They were begging them. Rick and his sister and mother would all return to live with their father in Sacramento. And Rick was able to attend his freshman year of high school amongst familiar faces. So that's one plus, right? He know, he, he's gone to school with these kids. I don't think before. he's going to last that long, though. Stability was not exactly a thing in Rick's early life, as you can probably see, nor is it ever going to be. His social life started to develop more positively, however, upon his return to Sacramento. He was back around familiar teachers and peers. In fact, he was even known to date a few girls. Who the? Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) I'm not going to judge on that. Unfortunately. It was at this time that Rick discovered he was impotent and he could not perform sexually. He couldn't get a hard on, in other words, to be blunt. That's not even that blunt, but yeah, we get, we get you. He was furious and embarrassed because, of course, word got out and you know how kids are. He was also super confused because he distinctly remembered becoming fully erect in the woods while torturing those animals. Oh, go figure. He gets sexually gratification from torturing and killing. But he he knew something was really wrong with him, and he thought that it must have been his failing health, or perhaps that he was back under his father's roof being poisoned once again. Now Rick was frustrated, so he turned to drinking and drugs to calm the delusions and the rage. Any extra money he had went to booze and his favorite drug, LSD. 70s. Yeah. No, 60s. 60s. With LSD, he felt he was able to explore the darkest corners of his mind, he said. He wasn't ever able to do that before. This is, like, I don't want to interrupt you, but this is crazily eerily, like, paralleled Mm -hmm. to the vampire cult murder dude from Tennessee that went down to Florida. Oh, wow. It is so crazy. He did all the same stuff. I remember that. Drugs, LSD, uh, killing animals. It's just different. The timeline. I do remember that case. The timelines are different. So The geography is a a bit different, but... Both had mental health issues that were untreated. Both had seen people for it. Bad families. Like, it's just... It, this one, that one's just really parallel. And it's just, I'm sorry, that's fresh in my mind because I listened to that podcast. I listened to Lights Out. Yeah, absolutely. This guy was also a loner, again, though. He, I, swear, I swear we've shouted out Lights Out on every podcast we've done. Oh, yeah, we I love love, we love Josh and Joel. But, um, sorry, I digress. Go ahead. Uh, LSD, the drug, also completely severed Rick's connection to the real world once and for all. It was gone. Any connection he had 
Later on, Rick would be diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, just like we were saying, but not for over 10 more years. Oh. As quoted in the book Vampire Killer by Ryan Green, which, by the way, Ryan Green is one of my favorite authors. Yeah, you mentioned him before. He's amazing. There have been numerous studies showing a connection between the use of drugs and onset schizophrenia, which, by the way, rears its head, especially in males in their teenage years exacerbating whatever existing instability exists within an individual, and Rick was no exception. So the drugs exacerbated his paranoia substantially. Rick would do the oddest things, and he wouldn't care who was, who was around. A few things that stuck out to me was he would hold oranges to his, his head, believing that he would absorb all the vitamins by osmosis. He truly believed it. He would do this in public. He even believed, oh, this is messed up. He even believed that the cranial bones in his head were shifting and growing out the back of his skull. So he shaved off all of his hair so that he could watch the bones move. Oh. As you can probably guess, Rick's appearance and behavior noticeably deteriorated and his mother continued to be absolutely oblivious to all of it. Out of sight, out of mind back then. Later in high school, Rick was picked up by police and charged with possession of an illegal substance, marijuana. It was illegal back then. But he was carrying a huge amount, like enough to make authorities think that he was selling it, when in fact that was just the amount that Rick smoked to quiet his mind. Yeah. In juvenile court, Sadly, any faith that Rick had left in his father, which wasn't a lot to begin with, it was absolutely destroyed. Richard Sr. actively chose not to hire a lawyer for Rick to defend him, nor did he even show up to the hearing. So he didn't want the embarrassment. He was probably ashamed of his son. You're a man, take it. The court sentenced Rick to community service at this time, and his weekends now belong to the city of Sacramento. But his evenings were free, and his drinking and drug use just peaked even more, causing even more delusions and an onslaught of other issues like psychosis, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure those things don't come with LSD. So Rick, he eventually graduated high school. He had mixed grades, but he was a smart guy. He wasn't, he wasn't a stupid dude. And he graduated in 1967. That and probably, that was the only way out of his house that, Yes, and that brings us to our next point, because it shocked me. He really wanted to go to college. He wanted out he, of his house. And he really wanted to, he wanted, to, he kept saying he he wanted to try, I, listen, try I to have. a better person? No, he wanted to be human, not a better person. He wanted to be like everyone else. But I have no sympathy for him. I have sympathy for the child that he was, yeah. have zero sympathy. Yeah, we say that every time. Yeah. I mean, I respect that, especially if this dude's suffering from severe mental illness. And just, just no help. He's no just trying to him. be like everybody else. Do what everyone else does. I know there's something wrong with me, but... And you'll see, you're going to get frustrated every time there's a chance for him. It's taken away from him by... Yeah, if they had sentenced him to uh, a month in prison for what he got in trouble for, there's a good chance that the way he acts and the things he does, they'd have been like, you need to see the prison shrink. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that was one obviously missed opportunity. So, after high school, Rick wanted a change. And he honestly believed that college was his chance to be like everyone else. He wanted to be, like I said, more human. So he took an introductory course at American River College 
to see where it would lead him. He didn't have any plans per se. He just wanted to see what yeah, it was see like. College is cool. Let me try it. Yeah. Out. Within weeks of arriving on campus, Rick took advantage of the health services, <laughs> and he spoke to the school's psychiatrist about his main health concern at the time, which was his erectile dysfunction. The doctor was quick to point out that suppressed anger was often the cause for erectile dysfunction. Rick basically was an open book. He spilled his guts to the doctor about his family, his childhood. He even skirted the topic of animal abuse, which I'm surprised they didn't just commit him right there. Well, no, this is like 1970 or even still in the 60s. 68, yeah. The psychiatrist suspected schizophrenia was to blame. He suspected it, but... Apparently, despite the numerous red flags that Rick presented, and he presented a lot, there wasn't enough evidence to, like you said, to admit him into a mental hospital. So he recommended that (laughs) Rick spend some time with his mother repairing their relationship. So, I mean, I get it. We can can (laughs) fault the psychiatrist, but he's not there under, like, forced... I mean, he walked in of his own free right. He talked to him just yeah, as he was. Yeah, no, would. he did. He's, he's not trying. talking about going and hurting people. He's not talking about right. doing crazy stuff. He's just like, hey, I'm struggling, dude. Yeah. So, well, he, and I mean, two, he really went in there because... He's in college and he, he has erectile dysfunction. That's got to be embarrassing, yeah. And, you know, maybe it is the anger, but I think the dude just isn't turned on by boobs so much as blood and guts and dead things. Ugh. Okay, we'll see. So, to add to the chaos, Rick's parents separated again around this time. They were still together? Yeah, they were. They toughed it out for a little while. Crap. So, somehow, during this time, Richard Sr. became a compassionate father. I know. It, but it's in his own way. Um, I think he still dropped the ball in many ways, and you'll see. But he's trying to an extent at that time. I believe it was the stress of his marriage to a mentally ill woman and having a son that showed the same tendencies as his mom. But he wasn't even showing the tendencies and he was beating the dog crap out of him four or five. He was, yeah, he was showing kind of the paranoia and stuff. I don't, I wonder if his dad ever knew about the cats or the dogs or Yeah, anything. but if you're four or five and your mom's doing all that stuff, you just kind of follow suit. Right. Maybe that's why he beat him, so he would try to stop following his mom's suit. Yeah, maybe so. His relationship with his mom, on the other hand, suffered. Her mental state forced her to lash out horribly. He was treated like her emotional punching bag because she knew he'd take it, and his hypochondria was elevated by every moment they spent together. It didn't take long for her to manipulate him to spend less time with his father. The parent parental alienation, right? She convinced Rick that his father would poison and kill him, and he absolutely believed her. So... During his rare visits to his father's house, Rick, again, refused to eat or bathe in fear that he was being poisoned. That's his mom brainwashing him. Um, I think it's a combination of he hears it from his mom. It was put in there by his mom. Yeah, and then he already has a paranoid psychosis, paranoid schizophrenia going on. It's going to take on a whole new life in his brain. Yeah, but if she's putting it, I'm saying she's the one putting it in there. She put it in there. Because he was fine when he was in college. He wasn't worried about any of this stuff. His dad was being nice to him. And then mom comes back, putting it back in his head, and all of a sudden he's being poisoned again. Right. Come on, stop. Right, absolutely. So aside from... Oh, or along with refusing to eat or bathe in fear of being poisoned, his grades in college were plummeting. And he felt weak all the time due to starvation. And 
due to his fear of bathing, uh, he smelled awful. So you can imagine he wasn't exactly a popular boy. Like, dude, don't come to class. You smell so bad, bro. I, I've, as always, I will post pictures of him on our Facebook and our, um, we don't have Facebook set up yet. We're going to get that set up. We're going to get, but on our Instagram, at Evil Podcast. Evil Pudding Podcast. Evil Pudding Podcast. And um, you'll be able to see him, and he's just, I don't know what I was thinking. I guess I was thinking maybe more of a Johnny Depp, like a dirty, young Johnny, but no. Why was that the same I don't know. Image? I don't know. I don't know. It's just like what my mind Like a young Leo did. or like a Johnny Depp style. Like, I no, don't know not Leo. That's... Not Leo. No, I'm Johnny thinking Depp. like green, fried green tomatoes, Leo, like when he's growing up. He wasn't up. in fried green tomatoes. No, not fried green tomatoes. Um, what's eating Gilbert Grape? What's eating Gilbert Grape? I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's the one, that, like him and that are basketball diaries. Like yes. that's how I was picturing him. Okay, maybe, up. maybe. College, I definitely see more of a Johnny Depp vibe. But anyway, go ahead. We digress, right? We always digress. My my mind does weird things. Okay. That's why we get along. Exactly. We're so, bouncing all over the place in two different ways all the time. He was a ticking time bomb, to say the least. Um, he just had this tortured mind and he desperately needed help. It was at this time that Rick's father decided to help his son's help finance his son's next adventure, which was living in an apartment with roommates. He thought it would be good for him. Richard Sr. hoped that this would get Rick away from his mother, mainly, and allow him to experience a normal life. Can't fault him for that. It's not a bad idea. No, because we've, we've kind of seen that her influence... It's Yeah, it makes him worse. It, it makes him more it brings, sick. It brings more of his paranoia out. Right. His, his delusions and his... Yeah. Absolutely. He still needs to get his son help, but oh, absolutely, absolutely <laughs> needs to get him help. But he, he is he is helping him, trying to get him out and like go be social because you were doing better when you were doing that. Yeah, but his roommates grew to be embarrassed and even fearful of Rick. He rambled and spoke to only himself most of the time. He probably still stoked too. Probably. One time they came home to find Rick. <laughs> oh God. Uh, standing completely naked in the living room. He never left his room, but the one time he did leave his room, he was greeting their guests completely naked, not even underwear on, that they had invited over to a house party they were having. <laughs> Can you imagine? The party started early. I guess. That dude's ready to party. This wasn't like a drunk, well, it might have been a drunk behavior, but this was not like a cool let's party behavior. <laughs> well, he also doesn't have to worry about accidental <laughs> boner while he's doing that, so... Oh, that's so cold. <laughs> it's true. That's though. so low. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. <laughs> oh, God. Patrick. Okay, so his behavior was growing increasingly erratic, obviously. Um, Rick had even, this is where it gets serious, he had even brandished a gun, a twenty-two caliber, to try to impress a bunch of guys at a social event at their house. He just had... He just had zero idea of how to conduct himself in a social setting, obviously. Yeah, nothing says, like, I'm having a party with my bros. And, hey, dude, you want to hang out? And you start flailing Boom, my gun. Boom, here's Cool, yeah, dude, dude let's <laughs> hang out. Like, Bye, brother. Like, I'm gone. Right, exactly. <laughs> so his roommates met him after the whole gun incident. And they're like, look, dude, you, you need to move out, please. You got to move out. In response, Rick kind of didn't respond. He just went to his room and he boarded himself in. When I say that, I mean like with boards and nails into his room and stayed, and stayed there for literal days. He literally said, make me. Make me. 
This dude, I'm but laughing, but he really does need help. I, I will say this, that what their, what his roommates did, this was exactly what I would do. This behavior was the last straw for them, and his roommates just moved out, abandoned their rent and responsibilities because they couldn't get him to leave, and they were terrified of him because he had a weapon. That's crazy. So he thinks he's doing this whole whatever he thinks he's doing, his, and he's going to walk out eventually and be like, well, no, his reason was that he felt that entities were coming in to, to try to get him. There was a psychotic break, a snap. That's okay. the stress of them saying move out. He, I don't think he, I don't know if he even heard it or it sunk in, but just the stress of it all. Too much. It just broke him. Yeah. Okay. But he was in there for days. But the landlord, so the house owner and Rick's father worked together to eventually have Rick removed from his boarded shut bedroom. And Rick would return to live at his dad's house for now. He would be passed back and forth between his mom and dad numerous times, neither one of them being able to control Rick and his hypochondria and still, mind you, incessant drug use. So that's compounding the situation tenfold. Oh, especially if he's still on LSD or... Yep. If he's paranoid and he's smoking just tons of weed, like... Yeah, and LSD too. Mm-hmm. Add to it. If, if the LSD's on there, it's adding oh, to psychosis and absolutely. hallucinations and everything else. Yeah. So if he's having those without the drugs, what's real and what's not? Uh, and he still liked to drink a lot. Like, very, very heavily. Rick attended a house party... Um, at an old friend's home one evening. He would do these minor attempts to be normal back then. You see, but it sounds like he's... It's very minor, though. He, it sounds like he tries to be normal. For a short time, and he just can't. But he has to be so sedated or intoxicated because he can't... Normal is just... He can't do it, and when he's by himself, it's just bad Well, look what happens when he tries to be normal. So at the house party, at his friend's house party, he attempted to rape a girl that was there. It was his friend's girlfriend. Charges weren't pressed for whatever reason. I think they felt, the guys felt sorry for him. I mean, I would have pressed charges even if I felt sorry for him. But Rick was sent to live after that incident with his grandmother after that. But because oh. she was like, well, she said, look, send him here. I'll straighten him out. Wait, is this his dad's mom? His mom's mom. Oh, okay. Well, his maternal be, grandmother. This is, this is like 60s. Grandma saying, you know, they raised kids in the 30s and 40s. She's like, yeah, send him here. I got it. This arrangement lasted less than a month, about three weeks, before she was, he was returned to his mother's care. Nope, I don't got it. That's, nope. your, that's a big that's nope. That's your fucking problem. <laughs> hey, Rick, your mom misses you, honey. Go on home now. <laughs> Call your daughter and be like, hey, I said I could fix it. This fucking dude is nuts. Oh, my gosh. It's He's yours again. I don't even want anything to do with this. Soon after, oh, this part. Soon after, Rick entered American River Hospital in Sacramento Complaining that someone has had stolen his pulmonary artery. Now I'm saying this. What? Okay, so I'm saying this very just as a statement, but I want you to. He's he was he was in an insane panic mode, so much so that he stormed in. And these people know him by now because this wasn't his first time there with issues like you know cranial bones moving outside the back of his skull. This insane skinny, starved, filthy man on drugs runs into a hospital screaming that somebody stole his pulmonary artery. I said what because like if someone says someone stole my pulmonary artery, I'm just gonna stare at him and be like, what the Oh, but that's what? not it. He was also 
very insistent, like violently insistent to hospital staff that his stomach was backwards in his body. These were things that he convinced himself. This is a man too that had, or a young man that had hundreds of medical journals. That was his entertainment. He would, he would convince himself that he had these illnesses. Maybe he was just trying to figure out what he was wrong with him himself. Maybe. Maybe that was a like, little part of it. No one's helping him. He's not getting any help. And he's like, I'm going to read all this crap because some, I got to figure out what's going on. Something. So the doctors and nurses obviously knew this to be untrue. But nevertheless, Rick looked deathly ill from the lack of sleep and starvation. He would be placed in a psych ward for observation. And he was prescribed antipsychotics and his behavior actually stabilized tremendously which is fabulous so he is showing that he can live he has the capability to live a normal life with help and treatment and that just makes me stare at you like what the fuck happened his mother checked him out and refused to administer his meds to him Oh, and they and they had to release him because he was not a danger and he hadn't been, well, outside the rape, but the charges were never pressed. Was he over 18 at that point? Uh, I think he was just 18. Okay. I believe my, here's my opinion. Uh, I believe that his mom refuses to accept her own mental illness and accepting that her son is sick would mean accepting... That she is too unwell. Now, again, that's just my opinion. I 110% agree with that because if she says he's crazy, mm-hmm. then there's a chance that she's crazy because they bond over the paranoia and all the other nonsense. It's, they've been doing. it's trauma bonding. It's, it's not even trauma bonding. It's like psychotic bonding. Like yeah. You're so paranoid about all this stuff that's not Misery real. Misery loves company bonding. I'm paranoid <laughs> like that. So if you're sick, that means I'm sick. So that means I'm sick, sick and none of my paranoia is real. And she obviously... Never thought there was anything wrong with her. After, after Rick left the psych ward, he just seemed to descend into a deeper madness. I'm, I think that, too, abruptly stopping the meds could have exacerbated things again. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Depends on how long he was on him for in the hospital, but yeah. He believed wholeheartedly. Oh, this is how bad things got for him. He believed wholeheartedly that he was the reincarnation of one of the younger brothers who had been members of Jesse James's gang. He even adapted the mannerisms and the accents of his new persona. Is he walking down like he's got chaps and six shooters on the side? Yeah, with a country accent. So it was everyone around him was like, uh, you know you're not them, right? So you went nuts, went to the hospital. And now you're Jesse James' and clan. And now you're an outlaw in the 1800s. Okay. But his family maintained during this time that he was not mentally ill. He just must have had access to drugs somehow. So well, they chalked all this up, all of this. To LSD, acid, all that but stuff. But they chalked all of this up to drug use. Because if they put mental illness, mom would have to say. But even his dad. There's a ch- he didn't want the embarrassment of mom. Yeah, no, that's true. He wasn't trying to put mom out there like that. I don't understand this move. <laughs> I really don't. Uh, so Rick's dad, for whatever reason, thought that it would be a great idea to get Rick his own apartment. Because they don't fucking want him in their and house. And he can't live with anyone else, obviously, right? We tried that. Um I can honestly say that this was an awful idea. It was the worst idea to have ever been had. <laughs> This was the start of everything. 
But I mean, I, like his dad's probably like, you can't stay here because mm-hmm. you scare the shit out of us. Right. You can't go anywhere else. We haven't tried. That's the one thing they hadn't tried is go be by yourself. Right. So it, it makes sense, like why, but it's just, the rest of us are all sitting here going, don't do it. Don't do it. But yeah, he doesn't know the extent. Obviously, he, he doesn't. He doesn't know what's going to happen. I don't None know. of them. Most of us don't know, but no one knows how this is going to end. Other. This next part is a, is a, another trigger warning right here. Um, so. If, if you weren't triggered yet. If you weren't triggered get yet. Get ready, I guess. Well, yeah. this isn't the worst one, but oh. it's, it's animal abuse. I'll go ahead and give it a name. Just a short distance away from his new apartment to Rick's chagrin was a local rabbit farm. I know. Pat, you should have seen his face. <laughs> Why is it going to be freaking rabbits? Why can't it be a pig farm or a chicken farm? Oh. Rabbits are just cute and cuddly. Why does everyone want to kill rabbits? <laughs> Every single day, Rick would steal a rabbit and he would take it home with him and he would butcher it alive. Every day? Every day. Every day. He even got on a first name basis with the, the farm owners. But they didn't know that he was stealing rabbits. And they're rabbits, so there's like 10 million of them. They produce like rabbits. So. But if you're coming by <laughs> one a day? Yeah, you would. Uh, I don't know. Well, maybe I think they had a lot. Maybe you. I think they had eat a lot. Rabbits. I don't know. Or maybe, yeah, maybe he was buying them. So he enjoyed the screams. Remember, you were saying that earlier? He enjoyed the screams. And most of all, he really enjoyed eating the meat of the rabbit that he had killed himself. Why? Because he knew for a fact it wasn't poisoned. He knew how the rabbit was obtained. He knew how it was killed. And, and he's a man because he's killing his food. And he's a man because he's killing his food. So something amazing happened. After Rick started killing again, his libido returned to him. No. He, yeah, he did. Things only went south when Rick decided one day to inject rabbit blood into his veins. He was sure that this would make him stronger. In fact, it made him horribly ill. And no, really? his father stopped by his apartment to find him completely naked, on the floor, unconscious. I just want to point out something real quick. It's not in my notes, but I just know this from memory. And since I know it, I feel that all of you need to know it as well. That's not a good, that's a warning. When his dad asked him, son, why are you naked? He said, I'm growing rabbit fur on the inside, so why would I need clothes? Okay. Scoop or (laughs) hospital? So he awoke in the hospital baffled. To him, the rabbits must have been working with his mother and his father, making him sick. They, Mm. they, They betrayed him. What? Yeah. Or the rabbit had eaten battery acid, and that made him sick. These are his words, by the way. I know. I, you hospital. telling the story right now is taking me to flashbacks of watching Clockwork Orange or... Oh, just wait. Uh, Donnie Darko for the first time because I couldn't even grasp what the hell is going on. It's, a, it's so... It's nutty. a trippy. So instead, Rick just had toxic shock syndrome. It was uh, it was blood poisoning. It was discovered that Rick had injected... An, he, The doctors eventually discovered animal blood was injected into him. He didn't tell them. They had to deduce and question. And <laughs> They're probably looking for anything they can <clears throat> think of, and they're examining the blood. And... But this causes something good to happen. This recent stay in the hospital was enough for Richard Sr. to take control and send his son off to Beverly Manor, a psychiatric hospital. 
uh, and they found the right cocktail of chemicals to quiet Rick's mind. Rick actually went willingly this time because he thought it was nice to finally be supported by his father. So after Rick was there a while, however, I think before his cocktail was perfected, uh, the staff at Beverly Manor started to notice dead animals turning up on the property. Yeah. And no nurse wanted to tend to Rick. Like it was rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Okay, best of three. <laughs> that kind of thing. Okay, <laughs> it's your job. Yeah. No, I don't want to. Uh, which, can you blame him? But, no. But they, the nurses would say that there was times that he was just like freaking covered in, from head to toe in blood. And it's like, what did you do? But they didn't put that together with things missing? Animals yeah, missing? no, they did. Oh, okay. they, they put all this together. So uh, a psychiatrist there said that his symptoms lined up, and this is pretty interesting, by the way, to me. His symptoms actually lined up with uh, Renfield syndrome. And Renfield syndrome is actually clinical vampirism. Vampirism. Really? Yes. Never heard of it. Yes, it's a very real thing. Um, his symptoms match right down to some of the symptoms are anxiety about health and weakness of the blood, anxiety about weakness of the blood, and fear that your heart is going to stop beating because it's weak and you need outside strength. And yeah, it's a real thing. Absolutely. So unfortunately, Rick's mother, she checked him out of Beverly Manor without Richard Sr.'s knowledge. She, I fucking knew I know. It. And it's so, <laughs> this kid just has no chance. And by this time, he was 18, but he was signed over during this time. I just didn't want to make this a three-hour episode to the care of his, not only his dad, but his mom. His parents. His parents. So she had, She's got a history of mental illness. The ability, no, she doesn't. So she has the ability to sign him out. Yeah. I, so. Oh, I know. that lady. <laughs> but but this time it's a little bit different. However, for almost a full year, so 12 months from 1976 to 1977, Rick Chase lived as a normal man, like an upstanding citizen, taking his medication and attending weekly evaluations. A year. This was not just a stay in a hospital. He lived him. a year. But what happened? He's not going to sustain that. But of course, his mother. Oh, that. I know it's it's her it's it's her thing. It's her struggle that she is putting onto him. She will never admit that she has a problem, and she's going to sabotage any yeah chance her son has just because she doesn't want to. Exactly how I feel. But of course, his mother would make sure that this wouldn't last long. This guy seriously, he didn't stand a chance with her around. If she was gone, he'd be fine. Yeah, I think so. I really do. Beatrice decided suddenly that Rick no longer needed his medications and abruptly stopped administering them to him because she said drugs has been his problem all along. Mm, yeah, LSD, not antipsychotics. So, off all medications, he impulsively took a Greyhound bus to Colorado to go and sightsee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, lucky for him, he found a man in Steamboat Springs looking to sell a car for whatever money Rick had on him. Now, Rick had his very own silver Ford Ranchero pickup truck by this time. So, he drove back to his mother's house. This was his first car that he ever owned. So, he was really excited. While Rick had been away, though, Beatrice made changes that Rick didn't like. For one, 
She now had a new dog. It was a German Shepherd puppy. What? Okay. A stray cat has, had also made its way into her garden and mm. had become his mom's sort of outside pet, right? That is like the worst combination ever. What, Rick and animals? Yeah, yeah. And his <laughs> I was going to say, like, hey, I'm just going to bring all these animals. With a German animal. Shepherd and a cat or Rick and animals? No, Which one? <laughs> the son that has been butchering animals for 10 years and you're like, hey, I'm going to get some pets. <laughs> so while staying with his mother now, Rick was just convinced he was absolutely convinced that uh, he was being haunted by the ghosts of all of the animals that he had killed and harmed over the years. And that's what he thought of all of her new pets. They were out to get him, so to speak. But the timing was right, I guess, because he had to replenish, replenish his supply of, quote, life force is what he called it. His words, not mine, which is blood in order to stop the hauntings from happening. That would make the hauntings go away, he thought. So one day Beatrice returned home from work, unable to locate her puppy who would always bark and greet her at the door. She called out to her puppy with no response. She went looking for him through the house and walked by the restroom. The door was open and she found her son, Rick, washing a large amount of blood from his arms, hands, and face. In case I don't, I, I need to tell you, trigger warning, guys. Trigger warning. <laughs> Beatrice would find her new puppy in the back garden, completely mutilated. Not dead, but mutilated beyond recognition. His eyes were completely gouged out. The ears were removed. The tail was cut off. The teeth were pulled out. The vet, she rushed him to the veterinarians and they would do what they could for the animal, but ultimately the animal had to be put down out of its misery. Yeah. Rick, when speaking about this later, would say, I gouged the eyes out that were staring right through me. He gave a reason for everything. The ears that would listen to me, you know, that kind of thing. It's, I know. This is just this is sick. Oh, it's not done. You are lying. You are one... And we're not even to the worst part. You're, you're fucked up for making me listen to this. I'm sorry. I know it, so y'all have to, too. I'm getting it off my chest. This is Thank you for so me. freaking much you're so for sharing this with you're me. so welcome, baby. So after a few weeks of... Rick wasn't staying with his mom after this, right? She didn't want to be anywhere near him. Can't blame her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I can't even listen to that without even laughing. Like, that's, yeah. I mean, bye. Yeah, like, no shit, like, um, they weren't even speaking at this point. He showed back up at her house, knocked at her door. She answered. She opened the door. She saw her son standing on the front porch, holding her cat's dead body in his hands. But she's smart. She was an abused woman for years. She refused to react to him. She didn't show shock on her face. She didn't make a noise. She'd been conditioned to hold in her feelings from years of abuse, much like Rick. That lack of reaction from his mother pissed him off to no extent. Yeah, he went and found her cat when she was in the house and was like, here, I killed this one too. And ultimately, that was the reason he was there, to get a reaction out of her. So. And his mom, dude, she's like, I don't even know how to describe her. She's like the supercharger in the engine. I Yeah, absolutely. The engine that drives his madness. She, oh my lord. 
That lack of reaction from his mom pissed him off. So he pressed his fingers into the body of the cat and ripped the cat in half from between the rib cage in front of her, maintaining eye contact with her the whole time. Beatrice continued to not give him the satisfaction of reacting, just slowly and calmly closed the door. Like two absolutely insane two people. absolutely insane people. Staring at each other like, you break first. Right. So it was after this incident that Rick began to have delusions. This is, this is something else. That Nazi UFOs <laughs> were coming after him. What? I'm I'm just what I'm just the messenger, guys. I'm just reporting the facts. I don't write it. <sighs> I just report the facts. <laughs> Composure's back. Go ahead. These delusions were ve- although they were funny to us, they are very real in his mind. Anyways, Rick felt that he needed a steady supply of life force, blood, in order to fight them. So he set out to, the rabbits weren't cutting it anymore. He's, you know how that goes. He set out to adopt dogs from shelters, $15 a pop back mm. then. And he would bring them back to his apartment, slaughter and eat them. And soon that became not enough. Good, because I have a weakness for dogs, man. So he did the same with a cow he found in the pasture. Whole cow. I assume... He didn't bring it back to the apartment, but... <laughs> he didn't bring a whole ass cow back no. to the apartment. But he did slaughter it and drink its blood and left it out in the field, Might mutilated. Chunk of it. Took chunks and organs. That's what he likes to do. But animals would soon, in general, not be enough for him to fight the Nazi UFOs anymore. <laughs> if you're just tuning in now, hi, I'm Courtney. <laughs> We're talking about Nazi UFOs. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, I don't even want to put my name next to Nazi <laughs> no, UFOs. Sorry. That is. Oh my god. That's why I laughed. I said, what? <laughs> Nazi UFOs. Like I said, I just report the news. I do not write it. <laughs> so not even an animal as big as a cow would work anymore. He needed human blood to fight the Nazi UFOs. So, armed with his 22, Rick drove around looking for his first human victim. While hunting, he actually would run into an old high school acquaintance on the road who stopped her car to tell Rick, hey, you know, just wave at him, say what's up. But his crazed appearance alarmed her. No. And she, yeah, and she drove off. But I want y'all to hold on to this because this is going to come into play later. He then continued on and found 51-year-old married father of two, Ambrose Griffin, Unloading groceries from his car in front of his house. Rick aimed and shot him right in the chest. And Ambrose fell dead as Rick sped off. That was his first kill. That's not his enough. first human kill. That can't be enough for him. Nope. Exactly. Just shoot him and drive it like a drive-by? Like Boys in the Hood style? Yeah, like, it was no. a drive-by. Well, that was the problem. It was a drive-by. And you'll see that. But first, we're going to get a little effed up. So... A little effed up as if it's been so. A um, little effed up on this. Yeah, this is just a little effed up in comparison to where he goes. Oh, shit. So, Rick now felt more alive than ever. He felt fed, I guess is a word. A little more fed than usual. He was also feeling his libido return. During this time, 
he would attempt to rape one of his female neighbors in their apartment complex hallway, but her screams attracted another neighbor, and Rick fled away. The cops were never called for this incident. Rick decided to refill his life force by committing another killing, but this time he didn't want to use his car. That made him far too distant from his victims. He needed to to touch them, and he needed to see their eyes as the life left oh, their body. Oh, he had to suck in the life force. Absolutely. He roamed the streets on foot and found one house with an unlocked door. That's all it took. Inside the house was empty, but there were baby toys everywhere. Thinking of his own horrible childhood as a boy, he wanted to destroy this child's life too. Again, the apartment was empty, or the house was empty, so no one's there to kill. But he's not going to leave. He decided to go into the nursery. He pulled down his trousers, and he defecated in the empty crib, and then urinated all over the baby's clothes. (laughs) So he just took a shit in the crib and peed all over the clothes because... Yep. Screwed his baby. Well, now, yeah, exactly. Now the illusion of happiness would be disrupted for the child the same way it had been for him and he said that he hoped when the family returned they would scold the child for doing this and would they would get the child would get in trouble and the parents wouldn't love him anymore that was his thinking wow i know that's how messed up his childhood was it's so messed up and it's sad but right now it's like it's really sad but you're just such an asshole (laughs) i just hate you so much Yeah. So when the family returned, they immediately called the police, but authorities had no idea what to make of this. I mean, nothing was stolen. There was just poop in the crib and, you know what I mean? And pee in the, I mean, it was just so odd. This is a major trigger warning, just this whole end of the story. I'm just gonna, it's not the end of the story, but this whole final part of the story It's just a big trigger warning. It's too much to splice up and say, I'm going to talk about this trigger and this trigger. Just the rest of it's a trigger. (laughs) This whole damn thing has been a trigger since like five minutes in. So January 23rd, he was out hunting again for human prey, again, on foot. Rick came upon Teresa Wallen, who was three months pregnant. She had just taken her trash out to the bin out on the side of the road when he noticed her and he snuck into her unlocked house while she was still outside and he waited for her there in the hallway. She walked in. She saw the strange man waiting for her with a crazed look in his eyes, but she had no time to scream because he instantly shot her in the hand by accident, of course, which shocked her, and then right in the forehead. Immediately after he put a bullet in her forehead, she died. And an orgasm immediately rocked his body, robbing him of all of his senses. This was the first time killing a woman and being this close to her. So he lost control of it. From there, he hauled Teresa's body into the bedroom and hoisted her onto the bed. He removed all of her clothes. Then he went to the kitchen to get an empty empty yogurt carton and a butcher's knife. He removed her left nipple first, then squeezed all of the blood he could possibly get out of her breast into the yogurt carton. Then he drank it, more like chugged it. He was desperate for it. 
He made several more incisions and drained her blood into a bucket, molesting her corpse as he waited for the bucket to fill. He proceeded to gut the body, examining each organ carefully, just like he had seen in the medical journals. When he reached the uterus, he noticed that it looked different. There was something inside of it. It was a fetus that was lifeless, just like its mother. He went to the bathroom and he took all of his clothes off and dumped the bucket of blood over himself, bathing in her blood before showering it off. Then he just redressed and casually and confidently walked off her property while chewing on her nipple. He brought it as a souvenir. Like beef jerky? On his way. On his way out. This dude just walked out of this lady's house after this and just chewing on a nipple like it's... That's the part that shocks you? (laughs) He's just walking down the street like nom nom nom. When he, on his way out, he noticed Teresa's dog chained up outside. He stopped, collected a handful of dog poop, walked back in, and shoved the feces into Teresa's mouth, past her teeth, and down her throat. This made him feel whole again. And this, this action right here, shoving the poop in her mouth, was retribution for all of the girls in high school who teased him about being infinite. See, I almost felt like it was a justification, like he did with uh, the house when he crept all over the house and peed all over it. Like, the baby's going to get in trouble. It's like, now she's yeah. going to get, she deserved this. She well, deserved this. Might have been what he wanted to do to all the girls in high school who made fun of him. Awful. Who knows? Either way, awful. And what's worse, Teresa's poor husband returned home to find her in that state, completely gutted, splayed out. Yeah, naked, gutted, molested. Yeah, I mean, horrible. His three-month <laughs> yeah. pregnant wife. So he's lost a baby, he's lost his wife. She's got, oh my gosh. I can't begin to imagine the scene that he saw and the way that he felt. He called police immediately. Thankfully, they easily were able to link her murder to Ambrose's murder because they used the same gun. And yeah, ballistics matched perfectly. Both were murdered with the same 22. So Rick's on a high now, right? Um, He just got all that life force. He just got all that life force. Uh, And this was like unlike anything he had ever experienced. Well, clearly because he he nutted in his shorts over it. So gross. He actually orgasmed over the killing, which this was like the pinnacle for him. Because he's been, he's been erectile dysfunctional this whole time. So he actually was able to get to that point. He's a man now. He figured, a man. he figured out what gets him to that point. Yeah. So this high didn't last long, as you can imagine. And his bloodlust was satisfied for only three days before he needed more. Only three days this lasted. Goodness. On January 27th, 1978, he happened upon another unlocked door. Inside, a Mr. Dan Meredith was there watching over two children while Evelyn Meredith settled into a bath. Now, Dan was Evelyn's neighbor, and he just loved to come over. He was elderly, and he loved to come over and just help Evelyn out with the kids whenever he could. Yeah. Maybe he had grandkids that were far away, or he didn't have his own, so he just wanted to help out. So... Evelyn's child was there, six-year-old Jason, and her nephew was there just visiting, spending the day, 
And that was 22-month-old baby, David. And they called uh, Dan Meredith Uncle Dan. They loved him. So as soon as Rick entered, he shot, he saw Dan sitting on the couch and he shot him in the head, killing him instantly. Rick paused to take the man's wallet and then he caught a glimpse of six-year-old Jason who began to run. Can't blame him. We'll do the same, Jason. In pursuit of Jason, Rick saw the baby and just casually shot him in the head before cornering Jason and doing the same to him. Now everyone's wow. dead. Within a matter of absolute minutes, if that, you know? So everyone in the home was now dead aside from 38-year-old Evelyn. I couldn't, this wasn't clear to me. I know a lot of this, it's police evidence, and I don't think Rick gave a lot of testimony, but um, it's unclear if Evelyn heard the commotion from outside the bathroom. It's hard to believe she couldn't hear gunshots. How do you not hear three gunshots yeah. running, probably screaming? Like, how good is your bath? But I'm assuming she did not by what is said to have happened next. Um, Rick opened the bathroom to find her in the tub. Again, y'all, trigger warning. And this is the biggest one of all, I think. Um, this is where it gets even worse than it has been. He paused for a second. What? Yeah. Rick, what the fuck? Rick paused for a second to take note of just how much he she looked like, Evelyn looked like his mother Beatrice when she was younger. And then oh, shit. he fired a single shot into her forehead, killing her instantly. That is this this man's only, uh, I don't know, good quality is he kills the victims before doing The only highlight is that That's it. they don't suffer. Yeah. They're, they're instantaneously dead, and they don't have to endure what he does to them after. Exactly. He dragged her corpse out of the bathtub into her bedroom, and he just tossed her face down onto the bed. And then he went and retrieved a knife from the kitchen, a butcher's knife be exact he made a single incision on the back of evelyn's neck and he drank straight from the wound and during this time he climaxed then he proceeded to rape the body for quite some time i think he was with her for hours he would then rape her using the knife before flipping her over and cutting her open from breastbone to pubic bone he went back to the kitchen and he brought a bowl to collect the blood that was pulling from her body. And then he reverently sipped it, like almost like communion. It's disgusting. Next, he would go back into the kitchen. This is so gross. And he collected Tupperware containers. Then he portioned her organs into them to take home so he can consume them over time. Then he put the remains of baby David into a cardboard box so that he could take him home as well to later consume. He thought, how powerful would it be? He thought that David was her child, so he thought, how powerful would it be to not only consume a mother, but also consume her offspring? I have no words. It was during this time that there was a persistent knock at the door. It was actually just a little girl down the road, but... Rick was for sure that it was the Nazis, he would later say. In their UFOs. Yeah. This scared him off, and he fled, carrying a to-go box of 
her organs and to go bonks? and baby David. I mean, I don't know what else to call it. It's like you it. went to like the grocery store and just stocked up. You good, Pat? You good? I kind of want to end this because this is nasty. We're getting there. We're getting there. Wait, don't you want to know what happens, though? Oh, I hope you. I don't want to put out what I hope happened. <laughs> so when the crime scene was discovered, there would be zero doubt. I mean, how could you have any doubt that the same guy that butchered Teresa also killed this family and abducted baby David. They, see, remember, abducted baby. Baby they David baby was, was missing. Dead. Yeah, they had no idea. They had no idea. So do you remember that high school friend of Rick that had actually seen him near the house of Mr. Ambrose his before his first murder? Yes. In the car. And, vaguely. And she said his yeah, the one that, appearance the one alarmed that her. She scared her. Yeah, so she just, she just wanted to say hi. So she ended up reporting... After uh, she reported it, after word of the crimes got out, she was like, I saw my friend here and he looked weird. Yeah, I saw this dude Maybe, and he yeah. terrified the crap out of me the night this other guy died. So good on her. A background check into her old acquaintance, of course, Anthony Richard Trenton Chase, turned up a registration for, what do you know, a 22 caliber pistol. I'm surprised it was registered, to be honest. <laughs> Along with many other warning signs that fit the profile of the killer. He's not a criminal mastermind. He's just a no. sick and yeah. very yeah. sick individual. So, so he's probably like, hey, I can just go buy a gun like anybody else. The same caliber of bullets um, to be used in all three of the crime scenes. That's what the twenty-two was. Police still thought that he maybe had baby David and that the child could still be alive. So they didn't want to spook Rick, right? So they staked out his apartment and they waited. Finally, one day, Rick emerged and they immediately tackled him to the floor. Rick's whole body was stained with blood. And I mean his hands, it was matted in his hair and it was all over his clothing. They hauled him off and then they went into his apartment. Yeah. They said the smell Instantly made you want to just puke. I mean, beyond puke, How just long die. Was it? Um, I assume this wasn't very long. But even a day or two, if you've got a, a body, yeah, it's yeah, that's a bad smell. Dan Meredith's wallet was found in Rick's back pocket. There's no doubt they had their guy now. Yeah, no. police know. They're like, okay, we got the guy. So he was sent off. Like I said, they entered the apartment. It smelled like death. The walls, floors, and ceilings of this apartment were splattered and smeared with blood. Like it was out of a horror movie. Absolutely. This is the I worst can't even imagine. Shit Stanley Kubrick would come up with. I know. Like, I'm feeling just... like it's, it's hard not to throw up right now. The blender that Richard had used to make his organ smoothies was found. Mm-hmm. Um, thickly coated with coagulated blood. And that's how he, that's what he did with the organs. Police would find... He made a smoothie king in his kitchen? He did. Police mm. would find anatomical diagrams covered in Rick's penciled in notes. Again, he was, he was just obsessed with medical journals and anatomy and all that stuff. That's why he always thought he was sick. This was the cure, you know? To be a human, he wanted to ingest eat them. humans? Yeah, ingest them. The fridge contained the worst horror. 
Wrapped in tinfoil, the police found meat harvested from pets in the neighborhood. In saran wrap, they found human organs. And finally, in a Tupperware container, they found baby David's brain, robbing them and David's family of any hope that he was still alive. (laughs) Later on, they would also find, like I said, numerous medical journals and detailed diaries of supposed UFO sightings. Nazi UFO sightings, of course. Don't want to skip on the Nazis. The only words I can even come up with are, what the fuck? I know. So, as we know, because we've been at the crime scene and we've seen that he has um, Dan's wallet in his pocket, there's more more than enough evidence evidence to convict Rick without a confession, right? But um, they wanted to see if he was willing to make a confession when police suggested it, it might provide a judge with a reason to be lenient. You know, maybe not the death penalty. You're right. He would confess. It Not really confess. It was more like accept or acknowledge his crimes, I guess I want to say. It, like when they said this, this, and this, he'd be like, yeah. And that was it. Like he's, he's completely. He's a fact of the matter. Like, yeah, I did it. It wasn't a crime. He, he wouldn't even say that much. Like when they said, do you know that baby David's brain was in your... Uh-huh. Yeah, I was going to eat it. Uh-huh. You know, it was that kind of thing. There's there's no guilt or culpability associated to it. It's just... He was just... He had one thing on his mind and one thing only. The life force. He was insistent that police return all documentation of UFO and Nazi agendas... They returned that to him so that he could show the judge at his trial and maybe bring their evil deeds to light as well. It was so real in his mind, I think. I mean, it's obviously super real in his mind, but... I know. You know as a sane person... You're done. You're done. That TikTok. Just, you're done. You're you done. make this up in your head. No, I, like I said, I feel like... You did, but... I feel like we've watched enough... We love horror movies... That's something about us. We love horror movies and we love I've like, literally seen everything. I have like, never seen anything like this. I've literally seen everything like Hitchcock, King, uh, Ooh, Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie, or Dude, Wes yeah. Craven. I don't think I've Rob could even dream this up. Everything they've done and nothing even remotely compares to this. At no point did he ever express, well, duh, any remorse or guilt. I mean, we knew that. Oh, except actually Green Inferno. No, not even that. They were, they were. Not even that, actually. That was their culture. You know what I mean? This wasn't his culture. It was a fucked up movie. It was a gross movie. At no point was he prepared to tell police, though, where baby David's body. They still haven't found baby David's body. His parents want his body. Yeah, all they found was his brain. They, he was not prepared to tell anybody where uh, baby David's body was located because it didn't immediately benefit him. He didn't care about giving David's family closure and torture for them. He was just serving a purpose to a means or a means to a purpose. However, a few weeks after his arrest, while they were preparing for trial, the remains of baby David were found in an alleyway. He was headless and he was missing his internal organs. But enough of his body was intact for his mother to positively identify him. So at least she was able to bury her son. That's, I guess, the only positive I can find. I don't even know if that's silver lining, but at least the family had closure. It's just, oh. 
Oh, this dude. I know. We hate, hate him. I would light this motherfucker on fire if I could. Not going to have to. Don't worry. Spoiler alert. The trial began on January 2nd, 1979, and lasted a total of four months. From the very beginning, Richard pled not guilty by reason of insanity. Not a far stretch. I figured that was coming. Yeah. But the defense. I mean, that if I was a defense attorney, that would be the obvious route. Read them and check out like four times. Richard's, on your own. Yeah. Richard's lawyer, he didn't... <laughs> I laughed at this. He didn't have the support of the medical community <laughs> since, <laughs> since they had effectively been disregarded when trying to help him after all these years. It's like, dude, this guy. What, what, what do you need to medically know that there's missing body exactly. parts? There's dead people. There's heads missing. There's... We told you he had to be committed and his mom kept. Yeah. But he did try to begrudgingly make the jury think, oh, God. They used a stat. They kept saying his defense attorney kept repeating the quote, the majority of schizophrenics are not a threat to society. And and he's right. They're not. But in this turn, in this instance, he is. He wasn't, he wasn't living, he was living in another world. (laughs) Yeah. So I LOL'd at this, but it's like, okay, this dude ate a baby. What more do you need? (laughs) He literally ate a baby and several dogs. (laughs) That kind of that kind of diagnosis it doesn't lead to that. Then what the does? This is beyond just mental illness. This is pure like, are you the devil? You know. Then the defense would call FBI. Here's where the FBI comes in. FBI agent Wrestler, who had created he created the criminal profile leading to Rick's arrest, which helped. We and it's crazy you said mine hunters because this is only really a few years after the FBI's. Um, Colonel Profiling came into play. Was that after Bundy? No, that was Ed Kemper. That was really where it started was Kemper. Was it Kemper? Well. Manson is when it kind of started. We watched Mindhunters. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure it started, but it it came to light and it became a real thing. Kemper was like launched it into. Well, Wrestler, um, his profile indicated that Rick was a quote-unquote, disorganized killer. And the defense hopped on that. They were hoping that this would reduce his charges by making him seem, like, non-premeditative, you know? Like, I didn't premeditate this. I'm disorganized. But it has a whole other meaning. It has a... But they didn't know that back then. It was very new. So the defense was hoping that this would lower the charges from first to second degree murder. I feel this is me speculating. Maybe just second degree. I can see that. Like he no, wasn't organized. No, no, no. I'm not he saying he's innocent, but no, I'm saying, saying maybe from not first, first to second. It's second. Yeah. He wasn't premeditated. This wasn't planned. They just wanted to keep him off death row. That's this was it. just basically like, there was no accurate. question that he did it. Everyone knows it was. They're just trying to, to what extent? Down as much yes. As they can. Yes. But the court didn't go for that, thankfully, which I'm thankful it's he did. It's extremely premeditated. Richard was charged with six counts of first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to death. I had mixed feelings about this. On one hand, he's a horribly violent and vile person who cannot ever be out in society. Like, ever. He just can't. Like, on both sides of the spectrum, he cannot ever be out amongst other people. But on the other hand, he's suffering from mental illness, and we've seen him stable before on medicine. But from the you know, judiciary side or the legal side, you look at it as 
Is he he insane, is, though. Well, it's not even it's not even the insanity. Is yeah. he an actual danger to other humans? Absolutely. He is two hundred percent. So like, should he, he be? Will, well, my argument is: should he be locked up in an insane asylum, or should he be on death row? Which one? Which one grants the more chance of him harming another human being? Fair enough. So that's. I mean, we'd love to hear y'all's opinions too. This isn't all about us. I mean, we respect all opinions for sure. No, absolutely. It's just. Yeah. It's just to me. If you put him somewhere, even if it, it is an insane asylum, and for some reason there's a lapse in his medication or it doesn't work anymore, he's going to kill again. I think you'll get your answer in the next part. Regardless, Richard was now on death row in San Quentin, and he was widely known as the Vampire of Sacramento for obvious reasons. So he did not set out to be, he did not have a vampire obsession. He... You know, it, this did not have a label as it does now. No, you know? it, it wasn't. It wasn't like a case, Twilight obsession. Well, it wasn't like the case I was talking about—the vampire <laughs> yeah. murders that actually. Yeah, it wasn't to a Dracula. They actually gave themselves yeah. names. No, of this wasn't the same. Uh, amongst the inmates, they they were terrified of him. No one wanted to mess with him, and even though he was this meek little Why? skinny. The f- would you? I don't care if no, you're I mean, big Billy Badass. This dude care. like cuts babies up Billy and drinks them, smoothie, drinks them as smoothies. Like, yeah, oh dude, God, you stay Patrick. over there. I've seen Oz. Okay? I've seen Oz, okay? I know how this works. <laughs> <laughs> and orange is the new black. I, I know how this is. Richard, on medication now, was expected to self-administer it. That's the problem. Of course, that failed. His hallucinations returned in full force. You can imagine locked in a little cell. He was transferred to Vacaville State Hospital until his mental health could return to stable. He would finally, at some point, become stable enough to be returned to death row. But his delusions promptly returned uh, due to not self-administering. On death row, you can't have your drugs administered to you. Back then, at least. I don't know the rules now. Makes sense because you don't want suicides and all those things. And the ultimate goal is death, right? So I mean, it's, why? It's, a, it's a vindication sentence. So this is a cycle, but it's a cycle that's about to end. On the morning of December 26th, so Christmas, 1980, a correctional officer doing his rounds saw Rick alive and well in bed. As the officer walked past Rick, again, back past Rick, an hour later, he saw his face, him face down in bed, arms outstretched above his head. He was gone. Under his mattress, um, little... He was gone? He was dead. Can we please do this piece of shit service and say he was dead? He had... I love that you're respectful of everybody and anything that goes on, but fuck him. He was dead. Oh, I know. He's, I mean, he's just a tortured soul. And I, and it's, to me, it's just sad because I think even if, you know, after, after on, he's going to be tortured there too. So well, I mean, you, it's you just do sad feel like he was all sick. the way around. He didn't have a shot from birth. In, but at the same time, what he ended up doing, you don't, I don't even want to show sympathy to that. I have no sympathy for him. Zero. Yeah, was he sick? Was he extremely mentally ill? Yeah. Yeah, that dude was extremely ill. He But you know what? At the end of the day, he deserved worse than that. If not on death row, he needed to be locked in a dark dungeon somewhere. No, he deserved death row. He deserved not to live. Because he would kill the first chance he had the opportunity to. 
It's it's just because of Nazi UFOs. Nazi UFOs. <laughs> Fucking Nazi. Oh my gosh. So underneath uh, Rick's mattress, there were little packets of pills found, and he was basically hoarding all of his medicines, and he took them all at once to kill, him, to kill himself. Yeah. Um, there was also a suicide note. I'm not going to even bother to tell you what's in it because it, I didn't even understand it, to be honest with you. You don't want to glorify a suicide. No. It was it, a cowardly way out of what everything he had done. Well, it, it wasn't even, it, it, it was nonsensical. So I, I, I didn't understand it. His whole it. life was nonsensical. It was more of his ramblings, you know. Okay. So during his autopsy, he would love to hear that it was determined that he had absolutely zero physical, physical abnormalities, as he so fervently believed. <laughs> he wasn't poisoned. He wasn't poisoned. Nothing was wrong with him. To this day, Richard Chase is the archetypal model. Is that how you say it? Archetypal? Mm-hmm. Yep. Archetypal model. Archetypal model that the FBI uses when describing a disorganized killer. His only lasting legacy after 30 years of battling his own mind. To give you an idea, uh, Ted Bundy is an organized killer. Well, he was very, so, in my yeah. head, I'm thinking about Ted Bundy. Okay, yeah. And I'm like, that was very I just wanted to give you, I wanted, I wanted to give you a devil's advocate there. He did counterpart. the same thing as much as he could. This dude was just like, ah! well, he did the same, <laughs> exactly. He did the same thing, but it was, the same things he did was eat people, put them in blenders, like do all this crazy stuff. There was no method you know, to madness. There was no ritual as well. No, the only thing that was ritualistic was the 22, and that wasn't ritualistic. That was convenience. It was just convenient. That's so all he, he had available. He wanted to do all that stuff when they were alive. He wanted to, do he wanted to speed it up because he couldn't. Yeah. Quick kill, quick kill, quick kill, quick kill. So, in my opinion, we always talk about was he born evil or made evil? I think he's a little bit of both, mostly made. Uh, mm. Because I truly believe that if it wasn't for his mother withholding treatment. By the way, and that that's a hard point to make too because on the other hand, she could have also lived a normal life if not for the societal stigma. Say, so if not for the societal stigma against people seeking treatment would weapon. He have yeah. Been what he was. Yeah, absolutely. So But would he have been what he was? We don't know. Well, bottom line is we don't know and he just didn't stand a chance from the very day he was born and it's just a sad situation all around. And I have to tell y'all, I am so eternally grateful to be done studying this guy. I wondered what you had in store that had you so upset for a while. And I was like, yeah. it's not that bad. No, it's bad. When I said it's bad, I meant it's, it's bad. It's that bad. It's and that bad. This, this, guys, is what we mean by evil pudding. His brain was evil-flavored pudding. I don't even want to associate evil pudding with that dude. Well, we associate evil pudding with all of our dudes. I know we do, but but he's a great example of it. Like this is just that is the story of Anthony Richard Trenton Chase. And I have to say this, but Mm -hmm. fuck him. Yes, absolutely, I agree. Because I don't want to end it on that's the story of this guy. I want to say like, no, this dude is a piece of trash. Mm -hmm. He was failed by systems. Mm He had issues. I'm not denying mental health issues. But at the end of the day, he's literally probably one of the most evil people that actually existed. I I like to liken him at this point in my mind to, you know, the dog that he tortured. And the dog wasn't 
the dog wasn't dead, but he was just beyond repair, and they had to end his life to put him out of his misery. I liken him to that. So, animal. so you're right. I, I want to retract that and kind of just say he wasn't the most evil person, mm-hmm. but he has done some of the most evil things I've ever heard of in my life. That's how I feel. So, I, no, I he, do not feel he's innately evil. You're right because I would I, not put him in a no. bucket with BTK no. or Ed Gein mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. any of those guys. But the stuff he did yeah. was beyond what anyone else has ever done. I, I can think of. Well, on that note, we have quite the treat for you guys next week. If you're still listening, if you're still here, Period. next next week is going to be at minimum a two-part series. By two, she means like three? Yeah. It's Ted Bundy. <laughs> so we will be, yeah, spoiler, I couldn't hide this one for that long. I have had so many requests for Ted and it's time. Y'all, y'all don't understand. This is like the pinnacle of Courtney's like dream Being. in life. Like yes. she loves true crime. She loves researching it. She loves learning about it. Yes. Not from a dark macabre place. Just, no. just a pure just understanding of it. Also the dark macabre place. Okay. Well, you can say that. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but Ted Bundy's probably... Probably he's my favorite serial. Her, I was gonna say her number one, and and not. But he's because, honestly one of the most. Well, intriguing. listen, and not because he is. I've said this before, not because I am a fangirl by any means. No, no, I hate him. But he is probably one of the most intriguing because he. As really, my as my father says, I would not piss on him if he was on fire. However, he's not. He is so intriguing. He is so complex. He's he not is, like a lot of the others. He's so dynamic. He's, he's and, in that category of. There's a couple I put in that category. Mm-hmm. Zodiac, BTK. They're not just so deranged you can understand what they did, but they're so calculated. Mm-hmm. Still so deranged, but it's almost like it's just it's a it's weird. Just, it's, it's a weird Tom next door. You know? That the guy next door who you he you've loved for years and then he turned anyways. Well, well yeah, because like that. Rick Rick could not Function as the guy next door. No, he could never be. So the it's guy always next that door. terrifying aspect that adds to it. That he Dorothea. Just, Dorothea. That just, yeah. They just. Well, I don't put her in the same category. She as was very charming. I know she. I don't was know why. I just don't put hag. her in the same category. Because she's a female, probably, and a lot of females don't. No, because I put Eileen Warnos in that category. She was more in the Trenton Chase or Clementine Marbabet. Oh, that's too far back. No. As the voodoo murders in Louisiana, I'm going to bring up every episode because I couldn't remember it well, when I brought it up. Well, then we're, we're putting that on the lineup. Yeah, definitely. Clementine. I'm good. She's on I the lineup. I do that. But actually, spoiler alert, mm-hmm. we got something cooking. What? Not a serial killer. Maybe it'll be a series where I do one half and you do one half. Let us know what y'all want to see and we'll do it. Because we had two in mind that we were looking at. Mm-hmm. Both are. Dark as hell, mm-hmm. disturbing as hell. Which is right up our. It's evil pudding. They are evil pudding. <laughs> but they're not a people. They're not a people. They're a person. They're a thing. A thing. A movement. Not even. A, I don't even know if you call them a movement. An one, era. One yeah. could. One could be a movement. One could be an era. Yeah. So, let us know if you want to hear some more. Pat, be the the main guy. Yeah. Let me know if you want me to tell the story and have Courtney's input. Because I'm all uh, I'm all for that. I need, I need a the, break after this one. <laughs> she's the true crime. I'm more of the. Uh, oh, he's more of the yeah, Par- paranormal. Paranormal, history, weird, the occult. Buff. Put it, we'll say the occult. 
We love you guys. And again, thank you so much for your support and subscribe, but also share us with your friends because that I love to see that I'm having some of y'all's friends like friend request me and that means a lot. And yeah, send it to them. <laughs> yeah, send it to them. And, and I want to hear their opinions. It, it means so much. So they want to hear. Yeah, and don't be shy. Communicate with us. Talk to us. At, you can email us at evilpuddingpodcast at gmail.com. Facebook or Instagram. Instagram is evilpuddingpodcast. Follow us and comment. Email us. Smoke signals. Messenger pigeons. Just send it to us. And we love you. I can't you. read those last two, but be, it's fine. Be good, to, uh, be good to us. Be good to each other. <laughs> You got me all messed up. I got you all. <laughs> Bye, guys. We'll see you next week.